0: This Sunday we have Jesus Rejected at Nazareth from Luke 4, 16-30. We also have a very similar account in Matthew 13, 54-58. The account in Matthew seems to come much later in Jesus' ministry, so it is often assumed it is a later event. However, the Gospels do not always put everything in chronological order. They sometimes rearrange the order of events for thematic purposes, and the similarities between the two really seem to suggest that they are indeed the same account. But we'll focus mostly on Luke chapter 4. Introduction and Law and Gospel. Jesus comes in order to proclaim that we are released from sin. With Jesus, the proclamation of the gospel always comes first. Not necessarily that that's always the first thing he does chronologically, but it's always the first thing of most importance. That's what he's here to do, to proclaim the gospel. And it often is the first thing he does and the healing and the miracles come later. Those who will not accept Jesus as a savior from sin have no part with him. Remember that Jesus told Peter that unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. If we do not allow Jesus to wash away our sin, as he mentioned to Peter, we have no part with him. That's what he came to do. We often like to hear the gospel, we often like to hear God's promises, which are ours through faith in Jesus, but we often get angry when Jesus or scripture confronts us with our sin. And just like the people of Nazareth were joyful to hear Jesus speak, at first marveled at his power, but when he confronted them with their sin and unbelief, they got very angry. As a pastor, I know first hand how even members of our church can quickly get very angry if I suggest that they are doing something wrong. We all, including me, have a tendency to think, well, I'm a good Christian who goes to church every Sunday. I'm not like those other people over there. And when God's word reveals to us that we are like those other people over there, when someone suggests that we are sinners, sometimes we react in anger, just like the people of Nazareth god's law is sharp and it cuts deep but god's forgiveness is there to heal us jesus is the great surgeon who cuts out the sin and replaces it with god's grace and forgiveness but if we won't let jesus cut out our sin we are also rejecting his healing the people of nazareth as we're going to find out refused uh, to allow jesus to confront them and their sin to cut out that sin and by rejecting his preaching about sin, they were also rejecting his forgiveness. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 19, we'll start with. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord." This was a common practice in Israel during that time that a visiting rabbi, a visiting teacher would be expected to read and then explain part of the scriptures. It was also normal for the rabbi to sit while well, the rest of the congregation stood. So the rabbi would sit on a raised platform to teach, and uh, the congregation would stand. I've often commented that I think this is a practice we should bring back. I kind of like the idea of me beginning <laughs> to sit, but that's okay. Anyway, uh, so Jesus, as a visiting teacher, he, his fame had gone out by this point. Uh, they knew him as a rabbi, as a teacher. They'd heard about his teaching uh, throughout, throughout the Judea and Galilee and so he's visiting his hometown and they ask him to read on the Sabbath they give him the scroll of Isaiah and he reads oh, the part about the spirit of the Lord is upon me all the words which Isaiah prophesied about about Christ here are a description of the forgiveness of sins notice that Isaiah begins by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. That comes first and foremost. And then the phrases that follow are really a description of what it means to preach the gospel to the poor. uh, To heal the brokenhearted. To set at liberty. To give back sight to the blind. uh, To proclaim liberty to the captives. Each one of those descriptions is a description of the preaching of the gospel and what Jesus does for us spiritually. However, Jesus also performed each one of those descriptions in a physical way as well. The story of the lame man and also the blind man from John chapter 9 teach us that these physical miracles that Jesus did are a manifestation to us of the spiritual healing that Jesus came to do. In other words, Jesus came in order to heal us spiritually, but that's something that we can't see. Jesus says that we are forgiven, but as we find out in the story of the lame man whom Jesus heals, There's no physical, nothing we can see to prove that we are actually healed of our sin. And so in order to help us in our unbelief, Jesus performed the physical miracles to prove that he had the authority to forgive sins as well. He performed the physical miracles as a physical manifestation or representation of what he was doing spiritually. So each one of these phrases... Uh, can be we can discuss it as how is this fulfilled spiritually and how did Jesus also do it physically? uh he healed the brokenhearted so there's many occasions where jesus healed those who were lame those who are sick uh, those who had sons or daughters who who died even and they were brokenhearted out of the death of their loved ones and jesus healed all uh, that sorrow that had entered their lives because of, of the death of someone they loved but this is also a reference then to his healing the brokenhearted, broken over sin, right? He proclaims liberty to the captives. We see how John the Baptist was in prison and Jesus confronted him with the gospel, the good news of salvation, uh, recovery of sight to the blind. Again, he did that physically. He gave sight back to the blind, but it's also a reference to his spiritual healing that because of our sin, we are blind to the truth of God's word and God opens our eyes uh, to the truth of how we are sin sinners but we are set free in Jesus Christ. So that's something you could discuss with the kids how each one of these phrases is meant to be a representation of the spiritual healing and the forgiveness of sins. That's its primary meaning, but how Jesus also performed each one of these phrases in a physical way to show us the truth of our spiritual condition. Jesus is portrayed by the prophet Isaiah as the true prophet, uh, both a preacher and a miracle worker. And that was normal that the prophets in the Old Testament who proclaimed God's word also did miracles to show the truth that God was with them and the truth of what they were proclaiming. And so Jesus is the ultimate prophet, both preaching and performing miracles. That is presented in this passage from Isaiah. However, both Luke and Isaiah reveal and make it clear that the preaching comes first. And where the preaching is rejected, the miracles have no purpose anymore. Therefore, we're going to see how, because they rejected the message Jesus came to bring, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus did not perform many miracles in his hometown of Nazareth. And we're going to talk about that more later on. The words uh, from Isaiah also reference back to Jesus' baptism. This is Luke chapter four, and it was just the previous chapter, Luke chapter three, where Jesus was baptized. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. These words include the full trinity. Uh, We have the spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, the Father, right, is upon me, Jesus, the son of God. And not only is the full trinity present, but it's present in the same way that it's present at his baptism. The spirit is upon me. And so at his baptism, the dove descends upon Jesus. Again, a physical representation of what is happening spiritually. Nevertheless, it's not past tense, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me, but it is present tense, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So what Jesus received at his baptism remains true and remains with him. That spirit remains with him. And in Luke chapter 4, Luke emphasizes that Jesus goes forth in the power of that spirit. Having received that spirit in baptism, he goes forth in the power of that spirit. And first that spirit drives him into the wilderness where he is tempted and tested. But now it drives him forth into Galilee to preach the word. And Jesus goes forth preaching the word in the power of that spirit. Jesus' baptism was not something that was done and over, but something that was present with him. The same thing is true about us. The same power that was poured out upon Jesus in his baptism is poured out upon us as well. And we should look to Jesus as our example and remember that our baptism is not something that was done a long time ago and has nothing to do with us anymore today but rather our baptism assures us that that same spirit of power is upon us and in us and calls us to go forth to do god's will in the same power that drove jesus to the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. Luther reminds us that this means that we should daily drown our old man. We should use our baptism to daily drown that old man by which he's referring to the practice of daily confession, repentance, and receiving again the forgiveness of sins and live again to Christ each and every day. The final phrase that's quoted here from Isaiah to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord is a reference to the year of Jubilee And you can read more about that if you want with the older kids, especially in Leviticus 25, 8 to 10. The year of Jubilee was every seventh seven. So every seventh year, God commanded that The land that the Israelites farmed was to lay fallow. So the seventh day, right, the Sabbath day, the seventh day of each week was a day of rest for the people. The seventh year was a year of rest for the land. Every seventh year, the land was uh, to remain fallow, to rest. And every seventh seventh, so every 49th, uh, it was actually the year after, so you counted seven sevens, the 49th year, and then the next year, the 50th year, was the year of Jubilee. And so every seventh year the land would rest, but on the 7th seventh, seventh uh, the 50th year, the year after the 49th year, uh, the, the whole nation was not only to rest, but was to be restored. So much of what Isaiah describes was a description of the year of Jubilee, but which was then a description also of Jesus's coming. So in the year of Jubilee, the slaves were, were released. The land was returned to his, his historical owners. So if you sold land that you had received as an inheritance from your father, uh, that land would only remain sold until the year of Jubilee, and then it would revert back to you. All debt was forgiven. Uh, so another thing you can discuss with the kids was how this year of Jubilee, that's recorded to us in Leviticus 25, in which Isaiah is obviously talking about in this reference that Jesus reads here, how that was a foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. The true year, year of Jubilee was the coming of Christ, and, and that's what Jesus says now, this is fulfilled in me. Continuing in Luke chapter 4 with verse 20, Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, "Assuredly I say to you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. In our day and age, the key word is often don't offend, right? Whatever you do, don't offend other people. We are often taught that whatever we think and whatever we are saying, we should tone it down into a non-offensive way of speaking. We should stop before taking that one step too far that's going to really offend people. Certainly, Jesus could have stopped with the simple proclamation that he made before uh, that this is fulfilled today in your hearing. By the way, it's clear from Luke that that's not the only thing Jesus said, but it's a summary of the main point of his sermon. So Jesus spoke more extensively about that passage from Isaiah, and Luke is simply recording to us the the theme, if you will, of his sermon, uh, that it is fulfilled in him. Anyway. He could have simply stopped with that, that this prophecy is fulfilled in me. The people were marveling. They were wondering at his speech and the power of his speech at that point. But Jesus takes the next step. He doesn't refrain from going that next step to really dig in and really confront them with their sin. He purposely, even personally, in a way to speak, criticizes them. Jesus purposely, in a sense, takes it to that next level. Why would he do that? Well, as we talked about before, Jesus is there as a surgeon to show people their sin so that in repentance they receive forgiveness. Jesus does not refrain from confronting people with their sin. The proclamation that he is the Messiah that gracious promise that he wants them to understand and that he comes to bring, that he is the Messiah from sin, that proclamation is meaningless unless they understand that they are sinners. He's come to proclaim the release of the captives, but they don't even know that they're in prison. So they don't understand the importance of what Jesus is saying to them. And so he takes that next step. He confronts them with their sin. He wants to open their eyes to the truth of their situation, that they are blind, that they are prisoners, that they need his spiritual healing. He wants to lead them out of that prison of their own sin as he wants to lead us out as well. We have to be careful to understand the difference between people being offended by us and people being offended by God's word. We do not want people to be offended because of us and our personality and our sin we don't want uh, we do not want to personally get in between people and god's word we do not want people to be offended by who we are but if they're going to be offended by god's word not by our sin, but by what God, the truth of God's word, there's really nothing we can do about that. We are called to speak the truth. And we do not hesitate, as Jesus did, to proclaim the full truth of God, even when that full truth may offend people. We want to do it in a loving way, not in a condemnation condescending or condemning side of way, not in a way that oh, we're better than you and we're looking down on you, but we also want to proclaim the full truth of God's word, even calling sin, sin, where God's word calls it sin. People are going to be offended by, by Christ. Uh, the scripture reiterates that again and again, that the cross is a stumbling block and a rock of offense. Uh, people are going to be offended by the message that God's word brings. and there's nothing we could do about that. We don't hesitate or draw back from proclaiming that full truth when it is necessary, as Jesus did here. Continuing with verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. In Matthew thirteen fifty-eight, it tells us that he was not able to do many miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. On the surface, that would sound Like the strength of one's faith is involved in the success of a miracle. Uh, If they don't believe enough, then Jesus can't perform a miracle. However, we know from scripture that that's not true. Elsewhere, Jesus tells us that faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. So it's not the size of faith that matters. However, where there is no faith at all, then the people are not even coming to Jesus, and therefore no miracles are being performed. We talk about this last Sunday in in my sermon. I pointed out that if Peter had not stepped out of the boat, how could he have walked on water? Jesus called Peter to step out of the boat, and the strength of Peter's faith was not necessary for Jesus to perform a miracle. But Peter had to step out of the boat in order to walk on the water. There had to be at least that tiny seed which, at God's word, steps out of the boat. And so here in Nazareth, the people have do not even have enough faith to bring their sick uh, to come to Jesus with their problems and if they're not even coming to him with the sick and the lame and the demon possessed etc uh, how can he heal them the the strength of faith is not what's important it's Jesus's power that performs the miracles but those who don't even bother to go to Jesus with in prayer do not receive his healing the, the same the same thing is true of Naaman you know you think back on the, on the account of Naaman, God was willing to heal his leprosy. And Naaman's faith was very, very weak. It was so weak that he didn't even want to bathe in the, in the Jordan seven times. However, with a little prompting, he did. And so there was even even a tiny kernel of faith there. Even Even if you say, well, it wasn't really faith, but maybe just curiosity, there was at least something there that obeyed God's word and went down to bathe in the Jordan seven times. And through that bathing in the Jordan, God healed Naaman. So we come to Jesus with our problems and Jesus is able to take care of them. It's not the strength of our faith. However, if people don't come to Jesus at all, if they reject him completely, there's nothing that Jesus does for them then. The the people of Nazareth reject him completely and so Jesus leaves. Where his word and his message is rejected completely, the miracles have no purpose anymore. Faith can be very small, indeed, and Jesus can still perform miracles. Notice that when they try to kill him, Jesus walks right through the midst of them. This is a powerful demonstration of what Jesus himself tells us in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 10, verse 18, speaking of his life, Jesus says, No one takes it, my life, from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. It's important to remember this when we get later on to the account of Jesus being captured in the Garden of Gethsemane. Some might think and some actually do argue that Jesus' words in John 10, 18 were mere boasting. uh, That Jesus was taken by the guards against his will. That it was not Jesus' will to be crucified. But our lesson today proves the truth of Jesus' words. That he lays down his life. That he goes willingly to the cross. If If it had not been his will, he could have walked through the guards there in the Garden of Gethsemane just as easily as he does now. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? as Jesus himself speaks to Peter. So here we see the truth that Jesus went to the cross willingly in order to die for our sin. That sin that we hate to hear about, the sin that often makes us just as angry as it made the Nazarenes. Nevertheless, Jesus willingly died in order to forgive it. So instead of being angry when we are confronted by our sin, we should rejoice that Jesus went to the cross to die for us. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson. As always, feel free to contact me if you have any questions.